0: Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts, bless us, direct us, and send us out living letters of the word. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. What do you think of when you hear the word Jesus? Now that may seem like a rather ridiculous question to ask in the middle of church. We say the word Jesus a lot around here. But when you hear that name, Jesus. What pops into your mind? Is it the sweet Christmas baby Jesus? Is it that Jesus from perhaps your childhood Bible? Jesus, the kind Jesus in the toga with the beard, uh, holding a little lamb, or perhaps blessing the little children? Or is it the noble Jesus riding the donkey or praying in the garden? or hanging on the cross. These are all good and valid images of Christ, but we, in today's gospel reading, we receive a rather uncommon view of Jesus, the angry Jesus. It is the Monday of Holy Week, the day after Palm Sunday, the day after Jesus rode that donkey into Jerusalem, and Jesus goes to the temple to worship And there he finds money changers selling sheep and cows and doves for those who wish to make a sacrifice at the temple but have not brought their own animal. But Jesus has another idea. Like some kind of first century Indiana Jones, he makes a whip of cords and he drives the animals out of the temple courtyard And he walks over to the cashier and takes their jar of coins and pours it out on the ground. And then he turns their table over. And he says to them, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. And his disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. I have a very clear memory of the first time I read this gospel, and my first reaction was disbelief. This could not be Jesus. Jesus doesn't get angry. What about the sweet baby Jesus, or the happy Jesus, or the water to wine Jesus? We like that Jesus. But Jesus doesn't get angry. How is this possible? What could be worthy of such anger? Well, for one, Jesus might have been offended by the blatant and active commerce going on in the temple, a place set aside for holiness and for worship. And perhaps Jesus thought that the selling of these things, of these animals for sacrifice, had crossed a line from an acceptable bit of commerce like a... um, oh, I don't know, a 63-egg cake, perhaps, to something that was inappropriate. And some might interpret Jesus' anger as not at the commerce itself, but the practice of temple sacrifice, that in order to fully participate in the worship of God in the temple, that this kind of sacrifice had to be made. For Jesus, in his very incarnation, in becoming human, one of the great goals of that miracle was strengthening the relationship between God and the creation. Remember, we are in Holy Week, and so Jesus knows what's going to happen in a few days. And remember that horrible moment when Jesus dies on the cross and the curtain in the temple that barrier between the holy and the people is torn in two for nothing will separate us from God, but a third interpretation of jesus' anger and no 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 interpretation is more valid than the other, but this resonates particular with me that Jesus was angered at the exclusion that the that the selling of these sacrificial animals represented. For this is the Passover, one of the great festivals of the Jewish year, and literally millions of Jews are pouring into Jerusalem to participate in the commemoration of the exodus of the freedom from slavery in Egypt and the journey to their promised land. But again, in order to fully participate in the celebration, in the worship, you had to buy one of these animals. And they could be two days' wages. Now, we could have an interesting conversation about sacrificial giving, but that's another sermon for another day. But still, for some, that was just too expensive. And so they were not able to participate as much as others. So, what does this angry Jesus have to say to us? What does this angry Jesus have to say to you and I in 2015 in central Mississippi? What does Jesus' frustration with the particulars of first century temple worship have to do with the traffic on I 55? or shuttling the kids to school and soccer and violin? What does this angry Jesus have to do with my appointment to go to see the doctor to hear even more bad news? What does this angry Jesus have to do with my parent who is slipping away? One answer might be that like those money changers, like those prescribed sacrifices, we are to ask ourselves what institutions of exclusion do we encounter in these everyday life occurrences? What agents of separation have become so ingrained, so ubiquitous, that we don't have the courage to confront them or we don't even see them at all? How many ways do we divide ourselves from one another And in how many ways, conscious or even unconscious, do we tell the other that they are not welcome? When I served in Memphis, I was awed and haunted to serve a parish that was only footsteps away from the Lorraine Motel, the site of the martyrdom of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. And on April 4th, every year, the anniversary of that terrible act, a small group of us would gather in the small hours of the morning and stand under that balcony where his life's blood was spilt. And we would say morning prayer, and we would ask for God's forgiveness. And I'm not sure what good it did, a small group of folks saying ancient words in the midst of a very broken world but I felt drawn to be there, not to draw attention to myself, but to pay my respects and say my prayers. In this season of Lent, in this time when the church invites us to a season of self examination and prayer, and as we hear this gospel yet again, as we encounter the angry Christ, and hear once again, Christ's zeal for his father's house. We, too, are invited to a zeal, to an examination of the privileges and prejudices that still haunt our actions and institutions. Perhaps we could ponder these words said only yesterday at the 50th anniversary commemoration of Dr. King's march in Selma, Alabama. We just need to open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to know that this nation's racial history still casts its long shadow upon us. We know the march is not yet over. We know the race is not yet won. We know reaching that blessed destination where we are judged by the content of our character requires admitting as much. Or if that isn't your cup of tea, perhaps you could ponder the words of St. Benedict, who said hundreds of years before, Let everyone that comes be received as Christ. In this Lenten season, may we receive the zeal of Christ, and may we, with that same zeal, ensure that others are welcomed. Amen.